guys, welcome to another episode of T3D for Essential. My name remains Ayomide Tayo AOT2. Uh, my co-host is here with me. Hey guys, my name is Ugochi the Evil Stallion. How you're doing? Yeah, yeah, and today is going to be a special episode. It's not the normal run of the mill. We talk about what's happening in the country in, in space of a week, flop of the week, or pop of the week. It's something very topical, something that just happened recently in Nigeria that covers the length and breadth and depth of this nation. And yeah, that's why we are here. So, passing the board over to my co host, you know, still in a birthday mood. Yeah. Till the end of September, it's my birthday. I saw that. September is almost done. I don't care. September 30th, 2023, till the end. Next year, again, we'll go another rodeo. Ah, you guys, uh, if you haven't tried to send us fan mail, please send us fan mail. Um, If you haven't followed us on every social media platform, please follow us. Um, I mean, I, I follow us on every social media platform at 24 Essential Podcast. Very important. Um, today is rather interesting. We've talked about a couple of things on 234. And because of the nature of the podcast, it's important that everything is, everything as concerns the Nigerian economy, in a sense, um, is touched on and how the rule of law and policies of our government or the country we live in affects the everyday Nigerian um, in the year 2023 has been loaded with like a lot of happenings already. It feels like we've lived two years in one. Um, and of course, the most prominent thing that happened this year, one of the most prominent things that happened this year was the um, elections, Nigerian elections, the presidential, the governorship. Um, I think today we're really centering on the presidential election because most recently, there has been news on the tribunal that was held after the elections, you know, contesting the results and all of that. And we just felt it was important to also speak to every Nigerian who cares to, who cares about Nigeria and who cares to listen. You know, whether you care, whether you don't care, you must care. That's the truth. I'm, I don't even bullying. It's, 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 it's every time I'm talking love and light. But yeah it's important that we also sort of understand how these things how the recent events affects us as people um and with us today to have this interesting conversation is not a first time at the 234 family no you're not a first time it's not your first time yeah it's not yeah he's been here a couple of times okay this second time actually on 234 um hey guys welcome am i supposed to like it Woo! Yeah, and okay. this background noise. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> uh, just a quick, a brief intro um, about Idru because since last time, a lot has changed. This is the truth. Um, Idru is a lawyer by training who has worked in risk consulting at KPMG as a management consultant at Boston Consulting Group and currently works with Paystack as a product specialist. He's also a co-founder of Ashiri Technologies a company focused on solving financial inclusion challenges in Africa, and a co-founder of the Village Production Company, a filmmaking company. In 2020, he was nominated in the entrepreneurial, he was voted in the entrepreneur category of the Future Africa Awards, and his, and his health tech solution, Mayo, was shortlisted as top 100 solution in Africa by the AFDB in its, Afri- in its Africa versus virus challenge. His current startup, Ashiri, is one of only 21 solutions selected by AWS across Africa 
to be part of its 2023 cohort for the AWS FinTech Accelerator. Ajiro is also a social commentator, hence why this conversation should, is going to be really interesting and insightful today. Ajiro, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's a wonderful day. How are you? We're good. Thanks We're for fine. having me on. You're right. <laughs> it's good to have you as well. Thank you for coming. Making time out of your busy schedule. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to touch on something real quick before we go into the real crux of today. Yeah. Um, the topic of today is the rule and the rule of law <clears throat> pre, during, and after elections and the, the impact of the rule of law um, in Nigeria as it stands right now after elections, right? But before we go into that topic, I want to ask you, because you are, talk, you are doing something that's very important to us on this podcast. You're doing filmmaking. Interesting. Okay. Um, we talk a lot about filmmaking. Here. A nice way to blindside me, but okay. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> we, we talk a lot about filmmaking here in Nigeria because, um, on two, three, four, because we, talk, we know that it is important to tell stories. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's important that Nigerians tell Nigerian stories. Yeah. <clears throat> tell us how the journey has been in filmmaking. How long have you been making movies for? Um, I made my first short film in 2018. Mm. Um, but filmmaking for me has been something I do on the side, mm. right? Um, I work with two of my friends. I think I used to write short stories. Mm. And then one day I wrote one of them. It's called No Means Maybe. I sent it to like my friends, my colleagues, like put it on my status. And one of my guys read it and he was like, Adriel, we have to turn this into a short film. Mm. Um, and I was very like, I don't know. I don't know anything about film. And then I was like, no, we have to. We have to for sure do it. Mm. Um, and then, you know, we put money together. Then I was working in KPMG, saved like three or four months salary. Mm. <laughs> had like a, <laughs> had like a 800K budget or something. Um, and we made No Means Maybe. And just like bringing like, something that we wrote into life was yeah. just like super dope for us um and so i think we've said we just started working a bit more and funny things like for them as well for lucky and josh the guys who i make films with mm. um that was also their first projects mm. but since then both of them have gone um i think the team has worked on um grind which is now on amazon prime Amazing. we've worked on they both worked individually as mm. associate producers on uh, making of the king which is a documentary about king of boys which is on oh, okay. netflix yeah um i think we've won awards now um film festivals in canada film festivals, film festivals wow. in the u.s oh, nice. um and we just finished production of the wives which is a which is a series about like young marriages mm. let's call it that um now we're in post-production we showed our executive producers yesterday everybody's happy money well spent so yeah. <laughs> it's been a really nice journey i think in the first quarter of next year we want to make our first feature um, our own, the one that we own, I mean, most yeah. of the IP. Yeah, so it's been a, it's been a slow, like it's been slow because, like for me, it's like on the side, but I think it's been very like fulfilling. Mm. So yeah. No, no, we're okay. going to enter politics one time. <laughs> what, what's your favorite production so far, and why? That we've made. Yes. Um, EJ, I think the reason why is because of how topical it was. EJ was about we shot EJ at the later end of twenty twenty. And it was about it was about police brutality, and that was just coming off the back of NSAS, mm. which I was also very like passionate about. Yes, so right. it was really very like topical. Like everybody who watched the film felt it the way we wanted them to feel. So mm. I think that was that was our, like my favorite so far. Amazing! I actually, uh, you want to say something? <laughs> 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 ah, great! 
Um, I'm actually too excited to hear about that. Um, I, I, we only talk about movies on two, three, four. Um, this is just off the bat. Now. Yeah. This is, uh, literally me pulling <laughs> out a rabbit from my hat. <laughs> what did you think about Jago Jago? That's if you watched it. You never asked me. I watched. I watched Jago Jago. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Jago Jago is the, is the, is the is the one about. Remind me the plot. Um, the warlord, yeah. the, the warlord. Okay, yeah, yeah, exactly. The guy came to train in yeah. order. He fell in love with his daughter, yeah. mm-hmm. and, um, and they clashed. And then they clashed. Hmm. Um. Okay, I think my challenge. I think it was a good film. So let me start from there. Um, I think it was a good film. Um, I just think like my only challenge is that I had I had watched. Um, King of Thieves, mm. yeah. which is. A similar very like it's the same world mm-hmm. and then similar the actors yeah um and then i watched i went to cinema to watch the second one um i forget now. orisha, orisha. Yeah, i watched orisha, orisha yeah, in yeah, cinema yeah. as well um and then i watched jagun jagun mm-hmm. so, so it, felt like, it felt like a lot i know a lot of people did not see i i loved king of thieves so much i think mm-hmm. i saw it twice in cinemas I and i told everybody on my time i go and watch this film it's a great film but i think like having the same actors is like imagine if in the year that White House down on Olympus had fallen was released. Yeah. They had used the same, same actors, actors for both. So it like it just felt like uh, why am I like I'm watching it the same film? Yeah, so it does if you watch Dragon Jagu- if you haven't watched any of them and you watch Dragon Jagu- I'm sure like the feeling it would be. Mm. But I already watched so many of mm. the so I wasn't like I wasn't so stoked, but it was a good film. Yeah, it has yeah. also eclipsed the the story in a sense because you have to ask like, oh, what was the storyline again? What yeah, was, yeah, yeah. So it mm. had already eclipsed that. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> now into the grind of it. Into the nitty gritty. <laughs> Love it. Um, so 2023 came, the yeah. long awaited, anticipated time for Nigerians, where we're hopeful that our our next president, after suffering, you know, why became an adjective. Like <laughs> it was no longer a thing of oh the president it was like, why are they worry me? You know, like people were using worry to say like Hard so, times. Yeah, exactly. Do you understand? So, ah, in this worry economy, you they mm. chop rice. You understand that sort of thing. He had become an adjective, and a lot of young Nigerians had also come of age during his regime. He spent eight years in office. That's yep. enough time for people to grow into their capacities in the economy, right? Yeah. And the elections finally came. Long awaited. Everything. Tell us. Tell me what it was, or tell us what it was like for you pre-elections just also seeing that coming of age factor happening in nigeria from getting pvcs to everything it was a madness everybody yeah. was involved how did that feel for you what was what was that time like for you yeah i think i'll focus um just so i don't get very passionate mm. i'll focus on <laughs> um, i'll focus on i'll try and focus on like role of like the role of the law mm. right okay. um i think that we have i think INEC is a challenge i mm. think the laws that create INEC gives it too much responsibility that we now clearly know that they are unable to handle mm. so for context um the 20 2015 elections mm. cost nigeria about a range less than 40 billion naira mm-hmm. less than that maybe like 20 but again just to be safe let me say 40 billion mm. the 2019 elections cost nigeria about 200 billion mm. and then the 2023 elections cost us about 300 billion so you would expect that the level of preparedness Mm. and just like quality of our experience would be significantly better because we spent a ton of money but 
all of us can admit that it was not like that. Mm -hmm. So I think when I talk about pre-elections, I would say INEC has clearly shown us that they are unable to register people for elections, mm -hmm. yeah. plan the logistics of the elections, mm -hmm. and like administer like the compilation of results of the elections. So if you just focus on the um, register people for the elections bits, like people were going for weeks on end to try to get registered. After they went through that entire like ridiculous stress, they went for weeks on end to clear their PVCs and everything was a struggle. There's no reason why like the online registration process is not seamless. There's no reason why like the collection process is not seamless. seamless. In the world we live in, right? So let's say for example that COVID happened. If COVID happened in a year that we had an election, would we have canceled our elections? No. Like, do you get? Yeah. Because if you cannot today, say, register for your PVC, get it printed and delivered to your home address mm. today, mm. like, when are we going to be able to do it? Mm. So people who, and you can say, charge an extra fee or whatever for that to happen. But like, that should, like, we should be able to have that level of, like, excellence already. And competency. Yes, and competence. So INEC is showing clearly that they are not capable. Then it's clearly, like, a data problem. If you have a driver's license, yeah. you have an international passport, passport. you have a national NIN. identity card, you should be able to vote in the Nigerian election. You have, yeah, you have NIN. Right? Yeah. You should be able to vote in the... Like, because now having people like re-register, if you moved from one local government to another, you can't just like go online and just move. move. Why can't you do that? Why do I have to go somewhere to ask for... Like it's... So the process is... I mean, for me, pre-election, when I think about the pre-election, I just think like the process is clearly... INEC is out of their depth. Mm. Anytime we require them to, it's either we break it, like break INEC into bits regionally and say like you register for the southwest, you so regional electoral bodies, bodies. that do the three things on a regional level, mm. or we have three different bodies that do like different parts of the process. So a registration body, a logistics body that plans like the on day, like I didn't want to talk about the on day yet, mm. but like the on day things, and then one that does compilation. But mm. INEC just shown us that like they are completely. Because now the election is done, it was a complete failure, right? No repercussions. We should have repercussions for the failure to register people properly. Yeah. Like people should be sacked for that, you know? So there should be repercussions for that. You can't just spend taxpayers' money, hundreds of billions, and just be like, oh, yeah, we couldn't do it. Oh, it didn't go as planned. So sad. So sad. Sorry, oh guys. Gosh. See you in four years, but I'll so still be there. Is it more? <laughs> so you mentioned structure, but yeah. is it also with the personnel themselves? Of course. Yeah. I think it's a combination. I think, I think that if we de if we decouple INEC, then it's the points of failures in like I don't like I would say they increase, but like it's we may have a bad like um what they call it um a a not a great experience, but then like we cannot say okay hopefully the other like the second bit will be better, but then now once there's incompetence in INEC. Our entire electoral process is going to be rubbish. The chain is from affected. the chain is just Domino rubbish. Effect. Yeah, Jiget, because mm -hmm. it's just one body, and I think that honestly they are incapable. So that's something that I think we need to think about. And I don't know if I have the answers. Mm -hmm. I just have like two options in my head. There might be more. Mm -hmm. We really need to think about how is INEX structure does it work for Nigeria? And this is also important because when you now come to even like I read something recently about like the pre, the pre, um, you know, when the primaries were happening, right? Um, how INEC moved, extended the primaries two days before the PDP primaries, and then APC was able to do theirs after. Because we all know that both APC and PDP were watching each other to know like who who are, who are we going to, who should we bring out? Yeah. Because I believe very strongly that if PDP had brought out Peter Obi, APC would not have brought out Tinubu. Yeah, I don't think they would have done it. I think that if they would have been like mm, nah, 
these two, because we're two big parties, mm. this candidate is clearly far above this other candidate. It's going to like, we, do you get? So I yeah. think that that was an advantage to the APC. And they were able to do their primaries after when Peter B had left and Wiki had lost. And then mm. just clear article was, well, had won. And then mm. they were now able to do what they wanted to do. So I think that that as well um, just like impacts things. So I think INEC needs to be restructured. Mm. Let's talk about pre elections. I think that. I think, but just general talk now about pre elections, like they're very positive signs. Mm. For the first time in my whole life, people were like up at midnight watching party primaries. Mm. Yeah. People cared. Yeah. I've never, like, there was never, a ever, ever, ever. There was a conscious effort. People were like, like, what's happening? Like, we were listening to them talk. Like, people were really interested in the pre-election process. And I think that that is, you know, that is some progress. We've learned some things now. Like, we're a bit more aware. We should have been aware before, but, like, now we're a bit more mm. aware. I think that that has to do with, like, this generation. Um, I'll call them... I won't say like zillennials. Zillennials mm. to like early millennials, mm. right? Um, I think that we have we've done quite a bit of things. We are we're a bit louder mm. and we're a bit more forceful and we're a bit more we get we're we are less patient mm. and we've been showing that like over time. Less tolerance. Less tolerance. So um less tolerance is the word, thank you. And I think that Buhari's time was really horrible. We just we did not want to just Clearly. sit back. Eight years, yeah. Eight years of people turning from like 20 to 28, 22 to 30. So that's a whole, you know, that's a whole phase of their a lives. Whole decade. Lost oh. to like they didn't like they didn't make as much money as they thought yeah. they would. Stagnant. They didn't yeah. like you get the standards of living didn't improve. And it started out well. It started out well, like in the 20 for 13, 14, 15. A lot of people were traveling back to Nigeria, yeah. starting mm. new businesses. Mm. Like we thought like we were going to pop. Yeah. And then even like makeup artists are charging 400k. So there was mm. money. So we thought that I was going to pop and then boom, this guy <laughs> comes and so um I think that I think that we're really interested and I think that's a good thing. Mm. Um so I think that's what I'll say about free election. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to ask you another part of that question based off of what you just said yeah. now. Um maybe after. Um and so like I we completely agree with you with like I completely agree with your perspective on pre-elections because even on two three four here we're quite psyched we're happy me too I went to go and collect my PVC mm-hmm. and I went to go and you saw me I, me too I was outside because I was so hopeful right not that this hope ever dies and I hope it doesn't because it's not it it's not an option but like then we moved quickly to elections proper the long awaited elections we went to our polling units yeah we tried to get to our polling units safely we tried to coordinate ourselves we saw a lot of that a lot of people trying to coordinate their polling units to ensure that almost everything goes as it was said um irev was going to be used so everybody mm-hmm. went early so to go and get captured i remember like on on the day of the presidential election i was on the line and when they said it was time to take pictures, everybody just like ran to quickly form a line because uh, ah, I must be caught or I must, they must capture me so that yeah. I can vote. Do you get what I mean? There was that excitement. People came out in their numbers. What was during election like for you? What was the election like after, you know, seeing what had happened pre-election? Yeah. During election, what was this, what was this experience like for you? And what would you say was a key takeaway from that whole experience. I'll start from the key takeaway and I'll talk about the details. Okay. Um again, INEC is a mess. Mm. And I keep on saying this because I think the responsibility for organizing the elections is INEC. Period. Mm. Yeah. We can't like there's nobody like I I 
Okay, so just for context for anybody listening, are they independent? I, independent I, of the government? Or they what? should be, but they're not. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um. So I was supporting, and I still support Peter Obi as the candidate for so that just the context is there in yeah. case you yeah. But like put that aside, the responsibility for organizing the election rests with INEC, mm. not with the APC, not with the, not with the federal government in mm. the sense of like the executive arm, mm. but with INEC. And I think they did a horrible job mm. organizing the election. Mm. So let's talk about election day, right? So first of all, I voted in Ikate. Mm not too far from where we are right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was extremely difficult to find your polling units because our polling units are in front of the Obas Palace. Oh, yeah. The and famous Obas like Palace. 40 polling units there. Yes. But like, how do I know where I'm going? Mm. Like, you've had four years to do this mm-hmm. damn thing. You've done it four times already. Like, fix up. Like, we don't even know where we're going. So it's like, there's that whole part of like, we're trying to find out. Remember that there was actually like a deadline. Mm. So there's like, you're supposed to have voted by... 2.30 or 50, mm. something like that. Yeah. Anybody, yeah. Exactly. So, but like, everybody's like moving around, like trying to figure stuff out. A lot of the polling units had not arrived as at 12 noon. Eventually, around like 1, we start voting, right? At some point, and like, that's why, you like, you could have voted without your PVC. Mm-hmm. Because all they ask you for is your name. Then they ask you for it's not like you use the PVC. You don't tap the PVC to show that you are yeah. there. Yeah. Right? There's no biometric There's no confirmation. Like, there's no biometric confirmation. Like your face is not used, your fingerprints are not used. They just like take a picture. But there's no technology in the world that exists that exists in Nigeria that can quickly check under any lighting conditions because it's like they just like raise the camera, snap you, and move. So I know that they were not doing any biometric verification. Um, I the pro- when I went through the process, I was like, I didn't need my PVC for this. Yeah. I could have voted without my PVC, which now brings to the, to what which now makes me question. Why not everybody who has registered can vote if they have a regulatory ID, mm. regardless of whether they have a PVC mm. or not? So long as so long as you know that they are the ones. Like, mm. why do you, because you get the way the process flowed mm. in my own polling unit, you could have voted without your PVC. They didn't yeah. use it to do anything. Mm. It was not used in the process. Mm-hmm. So that's something else. Um, and then we no, and then as we we're about to vote, the thugs were unleashed. Yeah. By whom we don't know. But the thugs, we do know. They pop but let's up. talk about it. Yes, because the thugs were unleashed and they went around destroying ballot boxes. Now, in my own polling units, in my own polling units, the police officer held our ballot box. So kudos to him, wherever he is. Yeah. Yeah. But in many other polling units, I told you there were like 40, right? They just snooped back the way, yeah. and these boys came and destroyed everything. So again election planning, not mm. ag- adequate security. security for a place with concentrated polling that units. That volatile. That volatile. Get, yeah, so that happened and like, but people stayed back, people tried to vote. Um, eventually, later in the day, the army came. Let me tell you how bad the planning was. Eventually, the army came, right? Allowed people vote, but now it's like, it was getting late before we could conclude voting. So when we were done, it was like 8 p.m. Whoa. Yeah, when we were done, 8 wow. p.m., 8.30. The army was telling us, like, count these votes. Quick, quick. Oh, because we will have to go. So we were begging soldiers, please stay, please stay. Because we knew that if they left us, they're gonna all that yeah. good. So we finished counting the votes. How do we take the how do we take the results to the ward? There was no arrangement for transportation for from INEC. For, for from INEC, yeah. for the INEC officials. To move. I had to drive, yes. Myself and two other guys, three other guys, used our cars to drive the INEC officials to the collision center and then 
when we got to the collision center, there was there was like an army truck like at the gates, like I, I guess as security. But we we drove and then we walked in with them. But then like it was just chaos. Yeah, it'll be chaos. The place yeah. was dark. It was like a, a school. Like the um INEC officials just all over a field with desks, like holding, they had to transfer the records from one thing. I was like, man, this process. is such a horrible nonsense process. Like literally, like we had to untouch light like this for them to shine in for them to like put down records. And this is us voting in Etiosa, which is one of the wealthiest it is local, local governments government in Lagos it and is. probably in Nigeria. Yeah. So imagine how what the experience is like in like not so wealthy local governments in Ali Moshaw or like all these deep other places. Inside, deep inside. inside. Like now talk about that's Lagos. So then outside like Lagos, like all these other places, places. like how did their process go? Because if there's already like spotlight on Lagos, and yet people are still this rubbish. Yeah, incompetence. Incompetence. Like, guess what's happening in, the in places Think where there's no media it, spotlight. In all other places, we have 180,000 polling units. So think about like how ridiculous like tracking this would be for any real political party that's interested in like a fair election. So INEC was a mess. And then, so it's not surprising that you stay hearing stories of articulation center, they were just rewriting results. And they were just mutilating because the process made no sense. Now let's go back to the technology. What was the idea of having this technology in the first place? Is it the BVS or the uh, no the IRS? Oh, IRS, yeah. Is that from the because they know, and I'm sure that maybe that's what impacted how poorly they planned for like the other places. Because on the spot, the results are supposed to be uploaded. Did, yeah. What I thought was going to happen was that on the spot, like we'll be seeing like collation of the yeah, results. We'll like, yeah. mm. I, I didn't even know that the technology they are using is just to snap the image. Yes. I thought it would be snap the image, enter the results. Upload. So that immediately Upload. we are collating live and, live and we can see live it. Collection of but it. that wasn't happening. So the tech, And then that day, we now heard that, oh, presidential results cannot be uploaded. In terms of like what we should have felt like was happening, then we should have known that something was wrong. Yeah. Because that level of, there's incompetence and there's just sabotage. Yeah. There's no reason why something that you're using now can upload Senate can uphold House of Rep or can uphold presidential. Upload, yeah. Like literally, it made, made no sense. We should not have agreed then, but we did. Because we we were also just like caught up in it and trying to figure it out. And so it's like, okay, you know, let us get them to the, like we took a picture, we keep it. Like how, just imagine you, a citizen whose job is to go vote, vote and, and go, go home. home. We had to stay, wait for hours for our next shop, then wait to vote. Some people were beat My up. Um, I think this guy who released Black Book, I think he's the one. The director who released Black Book. I think he voted. I, I think he's one because like, he looked like mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. He's one who he voted at my... Is either him and that filmmaker. Mm-hmm. He voted at my polling unit. When the thugs came, he brought out his phone to record. They chased him. They, t- they beat him up. They held him by the neck. They slapped him multiple times. This is broad daylight in Etiosa. Yes, yeah. Just for context. So now, Im- again, imagine what's happening in the places where there are no celebrities. Mm-hmm. Or non-average Nigerians. Or just average the common Nigerians. Man. The common man. Now, imagine the common man experience. This is someone who probably has hundreds of millions or tens of millions in his account. Who probably knows commissioner of police and police officers. Who is known. is a known person. That's his experience. Now, imagine the other people's experience. And that's why you just know that this election was so significantly compromised. And then we now finally drag them there, force them to. But look at the amount of work ordinary citizens were having to do. To just make sure that their votes counted. It made no sense. When I got home, the polling unit that my wife was voting at, they had never they went. I, I thought that, oh, because I went to go and I did extra work, I'll be I'll be late. Late. They are they are not done voting. 
So they finished counting their votes at around like 11.30 at night. Some Nigerians came out in the morning before before daylight. Before daylight. They didn't get home till midnight. Some stayed in the rain till the next morning, three, four. That is not the job of Nigerians. And that is why I'll take this whole work. What's the name? Um, the INEC chairman guy. Can't remember his name. Mahmoud. You did a horrible job. Like if anybody, like you, you even did more than horrible. Like let's not start using sin state. But like in any sane society, you. if you are giving 300 billion to anybody to do a job and this is what they did, you'll be fired and you should be investigated. investigated on the spot. Because the level of ineptitude does not match the amount of money spent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's like the, I think sometimes we are very hard on Nigerians. It's like, oh, you put on how to keep your focus on something. Yeah. You just, human beings are not made to do the amount of things that Nigerians were having to, to, to do, do to vote. Yeah. vote. You defend yourself. You come out. You talk to a vigilante. You talk to a vigilante. They're like you were hearing stories all around the island of like boys having to gather, carry stone and stick. Some people are bringing protect dogs. Themselves from bringing dogs. dogs. Some people had to bring dogs. Like look at the things that Nigeria, ordinary Nigerians, not trained soldiers, yeah. were having to do so they can vote. I didn't see someone in my church for like a month or something after the elections. He showed up one day. His arm was in a cast. Like what was happening? Oh, he said he fought back with mm. the dogs and they broke. They broke like a big plank of wood on his shoulder. That's what ordinary Nigerians had to do. And this just happened. It's not up to six months. Yeah, no. So, and then you want them to carry on that cause on their head and go, like, we are, people are human beings. They're not yeah, wood. They're tired, man. So, do you get, so, like, um, I think the election itself was very underwhelming. Mm. It was a very underwhelming period. I think yeah. the only reason why is, like, as we were doing, like, recordings of, you know, the votes being counted in different places, we were feeling like, oh, our votes are actually counting. Mm. But, like, we trusted that INEC would not be so inept so compromised so useless in like executing an election that this is not the first one this is not our first election in our history yeah, yeah. this one hundred eight thousand polling have not changed mm. since the last election and you had more money this time and more planning and you just did a horrible job so i think yeah take away the work is plenty mm. um and INEC, as again i said INEC is too i don't say too powerful but such a single point of failure too easily compromised because now that's organizing the election and collating and announcing the results is happening just within you. So if, for example, another body was responsible for organizing the elections and then transmitting the results electronically, and then somebody else is responsible, at least there's like a handshake between mm. the records that we kept. You, you have the responsibility to keep records. Yeah, that's your job. And then if you don't keep records, you probably, if, for example, a record officer doesn't keep records in the States, probably jailed or whatever, you don't keep records, then the other guy who is supposed to collate, doesn't, like, there can be like a handshake, like, you get, and then we can talk about like how this impacts the tribunals. Right, um, but yeah, there was just it was a very very bad election. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you said you're an observer for the Labour Party, right? Yeah, yeah. Were you surprised when the results were tricking in and there were rumors then that Obi was leading in Lagos? Um, so let me let me clarify. So I was not like in an official like I was okay, in okay. A, a media observer like media, media observer. So we had like a um station where we were like talking to people that were on the ground and okay, like having okay. conversations with them. I, I did that up to like maybe. 9 10 11 because it started early in the morning like mm-hmm. six o'clock before i went to vote after i went to vote i didn't go back okay. because okay. like the day just took it turn. no i went back actually i was i went back and i was there till like i was there for another maybe two hours and then i went back to the polling units yeah yeah so were you surprised when the votes were trickling in and it seemed as if obi was taking um taking we would take over lagos or we'll win lagos i i expected obi to win lagos mm. it just makes sense if you look at the demographic of people who would vote for Obi. 
it is Lagosians. Yeah. So Lagos is already like a melting pot, just like different people from it's different the metropolitan places. area. Yeah, but also I'm sure that Lagos is still like majority Yoruba. Yes, yeah, yes. Um, Lagos has a high, um, the edu- the educated population is higher high in, in Lagos, Lagos than in other places. And without unduly disrespecting anybody, most educated people would have voted for Obi. Period. Yeah. Just like with the and it's and this what I said now sounds like oh it's conjecture but just go and look at most educated states in Nigeria the top twelve out of that top twelve Obi won like ten or nine of those states so it does make sense so it's not even talking conjecture it's just facts it does facts you, whatever you want to do with it do with it but the truth of the matter is that in the places with more educated people Obi was likely to win mm. yeah which mm. is why the next governorship election when they wanted to disrupt the election they really what, came out they, they were not, they were not targeting it's like as I keep on saying like I keep on talking about the fact that. What we experienced in the government election was not bigotry. Yeah. It was politics. It was pure politics. Because... But it was painted as bigotry. It was painted as bigotry. It was political thugs masking on that bigotry. Because mm. it was a trigger. What they were trying to do was to disrupt the places where they felt were educated people, people. and suppress those votes. votes as against Igbo people. That was not the point because they beat a lot of Yoruba people. They didn't mm. care. Yeah. Like literally, my friend who lives in Oniru who... Again, those ones were, were disrupted in the presidential election, in the governorship election. They all know she's Yoruba. The thugs live in the same place we had. They know who she is. They didn't allow her votes. They sent her back. Because they knew, because they knew like, where she was leaning. So I think that that's just something else. So um, I was not surprised at all. Mm-hmm. I, in, in fact, I didn't expect it to be that close. The only reason why I expected it to be close is because I felt like they were going to suppress his votes here because of the amount of power that yeah. they have. But like, yeah. Mm. So what can we do do about security concerning the letter of prayer? Because we saw all things that happened, especially in Oshodi, obviously here in yeah. as well. Mm. Is there a way for us to suppress this? Because it really dampened the spirits of a lot of voters when yep. it came to the government. People are like, I'm not coming not out going to get out. Yep. 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 Yeah. So is there any, and this is not the first time electoral violence has happened in Nigeria. Yes. So is there like any way you, you see that maybe it's a solution somewhere four years, eight years down the line? It seems big because... Well, when you're talking about violence, you're not mm-hmm. talking about security. Yeah. And security is a big issue in Nigeria yeah. as it is. So how do we even go about that? See, bro. <laughs> <laughs> That's a heavy one. Let me keep <laughs> let me keep my radical ideas to myself. I think that, you know, there's some things that are not c- citizen problems. Mm, yeah. Some things at the end of the day are government problems. If the government of the day does not have the political will to ensure that elections are safe, elections will not be safe. If they have the political will to ensure that elections are safe, elections will be safe. It's actually that simple. Mm. If the government insists that elections are safe, thugs would not overrun polling units. Period. We have, they would deploy the army faster. The police officers would be better prepared. There are more police, there are more police officers at toll gates yeah, when there's a rumor of a protest, they are more better and better. <laughs> and the thing is that they don't need to stand near the polling units, they need to like they can, like, I don't know, they're a security agency, like, they can map out the location. So, so for example, if you're voting in Etiosa, they don't need to come and stand beside us, but there's an, entrance gate yeah. there, there's an entrance gate there. If the police is in the right places and properly armed, and once they hear of any fracas, they can show up immediately. But the point is that I don't think there's a police school will, which is why when it comes to like failures of our failures, we always have to go back to how do we fix governance? Mm. And I think that the only way we fix governance is if there's accountability, if there's responsibility, if there's if there's repercussion for your actions. Yeah. And I think that right now, 
people who fail in governance in Nigeria face zero repercussions. They don't face like criminal or like judicial system repercussions, but also they don't face social repercussions. Yeah. So even if we can't, because we're not a judge or the jury, we can't go and hold somebody and say, we'll try you today. That would probably be like a rebellion and they'll probably shoot us and stuff like that. So we won't do that. But we don't even, like after the elections, I said, everybody who supported everything that happened today and you're on my timeline, one, I will block you. And if I forget, be aware that I do not wish you well. Yeah. Be aware. I'm not hiding it. People that were like talking to me like pre the elections and then as, as, as their leanings there becoming more obvious. I was like, I'm not even like, I'm not even angry. I have decided that you have no place in my life. So I have cut you off. We, there are no social repercussions for doing the wrong thing in Nigeria. So people go on and do the wrong thing. Yeah. yeah. Because they know that all they care about is if they can just win and get some small cash, everybody's opening doors for them. You don't like honorable and uh, chief because they have small money. When you know the nonsense that they've done, you can have your money, you can have your power, but you have no respect. People are shutting their doors to you. People are refusing to accord you any, like people don't want to invite you to places, but that's not how Nigeria works. Yeah. And if we don't create a world where there is like repercussions for doing the wrong thing. People will just keep on doing the wrong thing. Because what we have in Nigeria right now is a, a society where you can do the wrong thing so long as you win. You win. Yeah. If it's a if it's the an end election, justifies the means. The end justifies the means absolutely at a ridiculous pace. So no matter what you did, very soon people will be telling you, and just forget now, let's move on, let's yeah, move on, move let's on. just move on, let's face the let's focus now. Smart, let's focus on the future. Let's focus on the future. And smart people will be telling you this, and it is so wrong. Because we need to... Okay, there's something I, I was going to say um, earlier. One of the reasons why this social consequence is important is people say um, the election is personal. Let's focus on governance. If somebody kills people to get into power they definitely kill to and power. they are okay and everybody accepts them, the things that they will do with power can never be right. Mm. How people get into power impacts what they do with power. Mm. Every freaking time. So I don't know if you guys are actually freaking sorry. But no, <laughs> <it's pretty freaking. laughs> this is a fun place. Yeah. So I think the idea is if there's no consequence for getting power wrong, right? Then people will do anything to get power. And once they've gotten power, they will do anything to stay in power. And they will do anything they want. Mm. Because they didn't like there's no consequence. So they know that even if they do rubbish while in power. All they need to do is get out and maybe rub grease a few palms mm. in the media in, and they will still be celebrated. They will still be okay. Their village people will still celebrate them when they throw money in the air. Do you get? So I think that we don't have... While we fight the government to say there has to be justice, all eyes on the judiciary, things like that, we have to ask ourselves, why are we so accepting of people who are trash, mm. who do the wrong thing frequently? We celebrate them. We, we are chasing them so that they give us deals. We want to sell to them. Like, we're trying to be chummy with them because we feel like access to power is the only thing that is important. Like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, profit lines if you're a business mm-hmm. or deals if you're, like, a regular guy. Mm-hmm. So, like, and, and, and that's I think that's our biggest challenge. Mm-hmm. And that's why sometimes I hear the argument of we have the leaders that we deserve mm-hmm. because so, I don't think that we've done enough to socially push back against... It's not even the president. It's just, like, yes. the small, small boys. Yeah. We, don't even, we don't push back enough. We don't push back enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you, do you agree with the narrative that we forget easily? 
It depends on how you use it. It's not like we mm. it's not like we forget. Mm. It's that we accept. Mm. Yeah, it's not like we it's not like we've forgotten the thing that happened. Um, and to be fair, that's changing a little bit. Mm. So if whether people like it or not, these twenty twenty three elections have a have a straight line to the NSAS protest. Mm. Straight line. Yeah. So what people did was after the shooting, people said, ah, okay. It seems like you have chosen the path of violence. We can't match in violence, mm. so we'll keep quiet. But that ele- the elections are coming. And that was a, f- a promise that young Nigerians kept. Mm. The elections are coming. Come. And we did the work, and we pushed hard to make sure that the elections counted. So people didn't forget. People just kept it in their chest and allowed. Of course, there were still fools who... <laughs> Big yeah. Who, 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 like, prioritized... <laughs> pres- who prioritize like, oh, I'm going to get some yes, cash or is yes. a Yoruba man or yeah, things like that. And yeah, mm. but at the end of the day, I think that a statement was made in this last session that people mm. didn't forget what happened in 2020. Yeah. It's the effect was, I mean, like literally direct line from, yeah. So I don't buy it. That's, that's still the case now. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, and then, first of all, I'm having such a great time with this conversation because it's just, I, I think that it's important that we, we sort of consume this and it's important that I said. Yeah. Yeah, it's important that I said. I, I feel like, personally, I've sort of stayed away from this conversation because it is very... It has a lot of things about the law. I think it's associating with a lot of lawyers over time. I've yeah. come to understand that once you understand the law of a country, you can honestly manipulate the country, in a sense. If I don't know if you, you like, agree with what no, I'm saying. Nowadays, you don't need to understand the law. You just need to pay the judges, but we can't move on. Fair point. I like that. You know, and or so compromise the judges before you say I, I say that they bribe judges now. <laughs> <laughs> Love it, disclaimer. <laughs> you know, and I sort of just I I, I think my, my our take on two three four has always been from the people's perspective, right? Because we did actually go to votes, right? Yeah. We went through the process. We went also to the protest as well. So we're yeah. part of it all. So coming to this point, just like elections have gone past and um Certain parties are like uh, certain people involved in the, the the process have said, you know what, I'm not I'm not comfortable with this result. Yeah, I'm tired of it. This this didn't happen. This is wrong. This is in every way wrong. You know, and they sought to go to court. Yeah, um, to go and um lay the claims that on on whatever they believed was the issue or is the issue, right? Yeah. Which is was clear as day to be honest. Mm-hmm. But you know, for the sake of posterity, let somebody not say that we said. That everything was bad, you get. But um, first of all, why? Why? Oh, never mind. I take that back. I, I think I'll just ask a more holistic question. So the elections was finished, and the, the matter, the issue was taken to court. What was the law supposed to do? Especially now, you explain. We understanding that the INEC is an independent body. Yeah. And what was being contested by some parties were the the rule of INEC, the rule of of INEC and the rule of law in a sense. I don't know how that marries. Can you yeah. tell us how this this marriage came about, right? So if my INEC is independent, meaning that they work away from the government. Yeah, yeah. And so you're going to do, you're going to sue. Who, are you suing INEC? Are you why are you suing? Why why make us? I don't understand. Okay, so um, just like basic principles of law, right? From my, from my, yeah. (laughs) You know, there are two types of cases, criminal cases and civil cases. Mm. 
criminal cases, cases that end with a fine or imprisonment, mm. things like that. So we're not talking about criminal cases, we're talking mm. about civil cases. Good. Mm. So election petitions are civil cases. Now, one of the things is like, if you if you take someone to court in a civil case, so let me say, if I take if I take you to court in a civil case and I want an order against Ugo, Ugo must be a part of the case. So anytime there's a, there's um, anytime you want the courts to give an order that impacts a party, mm-hmm. that party must be one of the parties that you that you file against. Mm, okay. In election petitions, that's why you can't avoid adding INEC. So mm-hmm. INEC must be a party to the petition. Mm-hmm. The petition is the person who is dissatisfied. Mm-hmm. So INEC must be a the petitioner is the person who is dissatisfied. Mm-hmm. INEC must be a party because if INEC is not a party, the court cannot give INEC an order. Yes. So if, for example, the order that the court wants to give is take away the certificate of return from party, from party A and give it to party B. Mm-hmm. INEC is not in court. The court can't give that order okay. because okay. INEC was not present. Mm-hmm. Good. That's why INEC, in any election petition, INEC is always added. Mm-hmm. Second thing is that the winning political party always has to be there because they are the ones that the other primarily mm-hmm. affects good. Mm-hmm. And then the winning candidate has to be there as well. Mm-hmm. So you see that most of them have INEC, APCPDP, Labour Party, whatever, Atiku, Pitinubu, mm, Peter will be like, mm. that would be like how the thing is structured. Mm. So um, that's why you have typically have those parties. Yeah. Now, INEC, and that is a problem. This is another problem. INEC is in a very weird position with the elections. When people take INEC to court, what INEC's role is supposed to be is defend the integrity of the elections if the elections actually had integrity. Mm. That's it. What INEC seems to do is that INEC takes the side of a party and starts aligning their arguments mm. with that party. That's not your job, INEC. Mm. Your job is to defend the integrity of the election that you executed and mm. say, oh, actually, we held it on time. We did. We complied with all of our rules. Mm. Not taking a side and like aligning all your arguments with the arguments of the other side, withholding documents, having to be chased, things like that. No. Right, so that's sort of like the why. I know election petitions are what we call like sui generis, meaning that like they are unique in that the law, the electoral act now specifies a time period within which it must be completed. A long, like maybe eight years ago, that was that wasn't the case mm. because what now happened is election petitions would take three years. So actually, that happened to Peter Obi the first time. Mm. His petition took three years. So by the time he finally won, three years had already passed, mm. and then he became governor, mm. and then after one year. They now said that he has to leave the office. He now took them to court again to say, nope, the constitution says I have four years. Mm. Their argument was, no, your four years starts counting from when we Starting installed the, the first person. Yeah. No, when we announced you, no, from when the election ended ah, and we inaugurated yeah. the winner. Mm. He says, no, my four years starts counting from when I am inaugurated. Yeah. So that's something that happened before. So I think post that, they were like, nope, election petitions have to happen like, has to be sandwiched. Mm. So yeah, I think now 180 days after the election has mm. to be completed, then appeal like 90 days, something like mm. that. So it's now sandwiched. Which is crazy because think about it. Elections held in 180,000 polling units. Mm. There are significant challenges. How do you establish with enough detail? You have to file within 21 days, maybe 50,000, 30,000, 40,000 polling units that something was wrong here. So that's, we have a lot of challenges with how our election petitions are structured at the presidential level. Okay, have I answered your question? Yeah. Okay. I'll let you, I'll, I didn't want to just like start. But keep I, on I, going. Wanted, I think I wanted you to keep going because <laughs> I'm just like, I'm enjoying the, the keep, maybe you should keep going. Do okay, keep because going? Yeah, yeah, what I wanted to talk about was now like the details of this election petition, right? In summary, PW was saying a couple of things. 
with different levels of difficulty in like proving. Mm. The first one is that INEC did not comply with the Electoral Act and therefore the election should be cancelled. That there was substantial non-compliance with the Electoral Act and therefore the election should be cancelled. And I think the crux of that was that there's, okay, INEC is a body created by the Electoral Act, mm. right? Now, the Electoral Act says that um, or by constitution and the Electoral Act is like a good, mm. but I think INEC is created by the Electoral Act, I can mm. check later. Mm. Irrelevant to this conversation. Mm. But when a body created by a law makes guidelines, pursuant to the law that created it. Mm. So, for example, the I think it's an example. The Electoral Act says that INEC will issue guidelines for the purpose of an election. Mm. The way that's interpreted is that those guidelines that INEC issues are laws like the act that created INEC. Mm. So they are not just things that will be trifled with, they are law. That is a that, that's a simple rule of interpretation. Mm, Good. Mm. So INEC created its guidelines and said that results will be transmitted, right, from polling units. I think I took screenshots that day, mm -hmm. and I, I can't find them anymore. Mm -hmm. But I think the one is 38. Good. 38 of the electoral guidelines for this election, section 38. On completion of the polling unit voting and results procedures, the presiding officer shall, shall electronically transmit or transfer the result of the polling unit direct to the coalition system as prescribed by the commission. As at the day the president was announced winner, more than 40% of polling unit results had not been uploaded to IRF. Yeah. So, if the they made an amendment to the Electoral Act in 2022, mm. and the entire, in fact, like 70% of the weight of that amendment was so that the results would be transmitted electronically. Then INEC comes around and does not transmit results electronically. This is the day that the winner was announced, not the day of the election. Mm -hmm. Meaning that the day of the election is probably like 30% that had been transmitted electronically. So the argument from Peter of this side was this is substantial non compliance. You have failed to comply with a mandatory provision of the Electoral Act. Therefore, this election should not dig it. But the court said, no, this does not amount to substantial non compliance. Forget that um, the Labour Party went to INEC and said, give us the polling unit results that you used to announce Tinubu mm. as the winner of the election. Mm. INEC gave them a lot, but then 18,000 of those results were blurred or blank. Wow. And in one of the um, cross-examinations, the Labour Party team like gave the, the witness of, I think, INEC and said, read these results. I can't read. Okay. You read this one, I can't read. You read this one, I can't read. Okay. So if you cannot read your polling unit results, how did you use these results to announce? Yeah. And, the, and the combined value of the votes on those results were about 2.5 million. Mm -hmm. And the gap between the winner and mm -hmm. the was up to 2 million. So that already is substantial non-compliance mm -hmm. to us that are here, mm -hmm. just like using our brain. Mm -hmm. But to the, to the, to the tribunal, mm -hmm. it was not. Mm -hmm. And that's why they had an appeal. Mm -hmm. Because what they are basically saying is, well... It's impossible to prove non-compliance. <laughs> because mm -hmm. what else could they not have done that they said they would do that you would have agreed that they did not comply? Mm. Because this was a key element. Like this was a part of the reason why public funds were allocated. Yes. So that's one of the legs on which they were standing. Mm. I think one of the stronger legs mm. and it didn't work. Mm. The second leg that they were standing on was, was Tinubu even qualified to run? Yeah, I, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. So, um, they are, I think for 
Labour Party, the key question on Tinubu's qualification was the money laundering fine. Mm. Now, I don't know if I have the screenshots of that one, but that one is in the constitution, right? Mm. But the law basically says if someone has been, if someone is under a fine or like a couple of other things, they are not eligible to run in the election. This is section, subsection C or something like that. Mm. There is a section, subsection before this one that says if you've been convicted in the last 10 years, you're not qualified to run the election. Mm. One says if you have been convicted. The second one says if you are under a fine. What the tribunal said was, well, Tinubu may have been under a fine, but it's irrelevant because he was not convicted of an offense. Mm. So they are saying the only fine that this sex section was referring to is mm. a criminal fine, mm. not a civil forfeiture like mm. what happened to Tinubu, mm. which depending on how you look at it, goes against the spirit of the law, to, to my mind. Maybe because of where I'm like, how, how I'm inclined. Mm. But the, the reason why Tinubu was fined was because of money laundering charges. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nobody enters into an agreement with the states to forfeit money if they did not commit an offense. Yeah. But sometimes the states do that because maybe they struck a deal mm-hmm. and whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, and the fact that the, the, the constitution structured one side and said, if you are convicted... And then the second side, it says, if you're under fine. You could have said, if you're under a criminal fine, mm-hmm. or if you were convicted and fined. Well, it didn't say so that. they're saying it's not clear. No, they are saying they're interpreting it as criminal fine, mm. which seems like a very specific interpretation yeah. that I don't know that they would have given, they would have given to everybody else. Mm. So, and I think that was the second issue that um, Peter Obi's team was like putting their, their leg on. Mm. And then also, again, one of the reasons why they, they appealed. Yeah. Sorry, I'm looking for the happy four issues. Um... Then the third one was whether Tinubu was duly elected. That's whether he whether he, he won won the election. Won the election. Mm-hmm. And this one and um, whether the election were, were invalid as a result of cover practices are two that I feel extremely shaky, mm. extremely hard to prove. And I don't even I didn't like I've not I don't I didn't, I didn't look at the filings of Labour Party. So I don't even know mm. because what you are trying to establish in these ones is, for example, did he win the election? Mm is that you will find enough errors in like polling units results for example for example that show that he did not get the amount of votes that he said he got in 21 days How is that possible? it's extremely difficult to do so i think what they did was okay now what they did here was they had two states river states right where polling units results and what's announced by INEC completely different polling units because okay good i i helped with the competition of river states polling mm-hmm. polling units results mm-hmm. and from polling units polling units we did all the calculation mm-hmm. peter w won clearly mm-hmm. i think that was the public information now <laughs> yeah. that's wiki but that's public information right good yeah. yeah and then um but when INEC announced you know they announced tinuba as the winner of river state mm-hmm. i think it's one of that states like that but i worked mm-hmm. on river states one mm-hmm. now this is not a local it's not a ward it's not a local government it's not the polling unit mm-hmm. it is it's a whole state, state. Like what they just said six states, one whole state, INEC was so significant compromise. So what they what I think Labour Party team did was they said, look at these two states. We can see clear manipulation of the results in two states. Now, look at these 18,000 polling units results. They are blood or blank. Mm. We can't even tell what they did. Mm. So you can't we cannot assume that this was correct. Mm. INEC yeah. has not shown, not given us inform, enough data to prove that they did the right thing. 
and we have evidence that they did not in the ruling. And, and I think that's one of the worst parts of this. The tribunal did not chastise Einek, hmm. who was a party. To say, like chastise Obi. Oh, like exactly. the, 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 I remember when they told Obi that uh, if you are saying the, the elections were compromised, can you prove how you got your own results in a compromised election? Mm. get like they, they attacked Atiku's wow. team and they mm. attacked, but Einek was right there. Nobody said, Einek, how could Labour Party have won in a whole state and you announced, you get nobody chastised them till today. The electoral officers in River State, I don't know if they've been arrested. I'm sure even if they arrested them, none of them has been convicted. Again, when it goes back to consequences, nobody should be able, whether you are WK or you are, I don't know who you are, should be able to just blatantly steal elections of a whole state and get away with it. It makes no sense. Because what you are now saying is, Joshua gets announced. Mm. What you're telling people, it doesn't, people, care. It doesn't, it doesn't, like, matter. doesn't matter how you yeah. do it. Just announce and let us move on. Do you understand? So they, they, they didn't even, they couldn't even start, stuff ballot boxes, which I'm sure that they did as mm. well. They just said, you know what? We are already losing so much in this state. Let's just go to Creation City Center and cancel and rewrite the results without any basis. So those two last legs, extremely difficult to prove in the context of a presidential election. So I think what the Labour Party tried to do was, we have data that says, they lost here, but they said that they won. And then we have this 18,000 polling unit that we can't even see anything. Like, basically, this guy did not win. Like, you get, mm-hmm. deduct these two states and then think about these 2.4 million votes that we don't know. Like, we, we like it may not be us, but mm-hmm. it's clear, like, you get, it's clear. Mm-hmm. it's clear that there's something wrong. And I think, I think that the try, and I, I don't want to hold brief for the tribal now. Mm-hmm. I understand the weight of what was on their shoulders. Mm-hmm. To cancel a presidential election in Nigeria, is a is a huge responsibility. It's a monumental decision to make. That would require a ton of integrity and a ton of like presence of mind to say we need to do the right thing. And I think that's one of our one of our biggest problems is how short sighted we are. Mm. And we short sighted from like when the foundations of like mm. Nigeria were laid. Yeah. We had founding fathers who did not care about a United Nations. Mm. Listen to, own... to videos of Tafari Badawi speak about the Igbos and speak to think about they all wanted to be the big boy. And I think the dynamics of how the were regional forces did not work out for us. Short sightedness because mm. we're still suffering the effect of that division that today. Division. Right? So now when we think about just I wrote about on it. I don't know if I can find it as well. When we think about the uh, the tribunal's ruling, mm. see, what's the easy thing? The easy thing to do is just say, we couldn't find enough evidence, we couldn't find enough evidence, go away. We don't want to scatter um, an election. But even if you did the right thing, right, and maybe say, for the next two or three weeks, they are protesting here and there, blah, 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 blah. If you think about it long term, what we have now is one of the worst places we can be, mm. where we have basically said, if you are announced winner of the election, find any way to be announced winner of the election, then you have a 95% chance of holding on to power, no matter how horrible INEC was. So somebody can say, do you know what? Let them vote. Yes. When they finish voting, mm-hmm. don't disturb them. Yeah. Let them take the paper to Coalition Center. At Coalition Center, we'll scatter everything. Yes. We'll go there and rewrite and rewrite. Just imagine. In fact, they can wait when they move from this world coalition to local government coalition. Mm. So maybe they only have 20 or 30 places to scatter. Mm. And, and that's what they were doing. They will invade the place, hold people at gunpoint, and say, you will change this thing now. Imagine that. So if that's the situation we are, we are just setting ourselves up for more violent elections, more 
voter apathy mm. because nobody wants to go and die yeah. for like how many weeks did they do hashtag for you mm. do you get so i think that that is a like a big mistake they've made but they've gone to the supreme court if i'm being honest i have no faith <laughs> understand what these different courts are i don't know anything right let me be honest what is the court of appeal and what is the role of the supreme court what so that we understand the gravity of why why should i be happy that this is going to the supreme court right now okay um a simple structure of like our judiciary mm. is we have state courts and federal courts um in terms of just a straight line mm. the state courts are the states let's say Magistrate courts, mm. state high courts, they handle things that are for the states. Let me put it that way. Exclusive to the state. Like mm. small things, like they, they have their own jurisdiction. Like mm. crimes are typically mm. handled first in like magistrates or state courts. Then you have the federal high courts, the federal courts. Mm. It's on the same level as the state high courts, mm. but it handles special like categories, like things that have to do with like, comp- like company, company allied matters act, like any issue arising out of um, the company allied matters act have to do with they go to the federal high court so that is a federal court but like on the same level as state courts and then if something happens at the state courts at magistrate's courts you go to state high courts right it only happens at state high court or federal high court you take it to the court of appeal and the court of appeal is a that is like what it sounds mm. is a court that hears most of the appeals mm. right so, so I, I appeal appeal to the court of appeal good then if you leave the if you are not satisfied at the court of appeal for setting types of cases you have a right to take it to supreme court so for example if it's something that has to be fundamental human rights you can take it to supreme court mm. as a matter of rights mm. if you are sentenced to death you can always go to supreme court, court. as a matter of rights as a person as a normal i can go to supreme court if i was sentenced to death yes if you were sentenced yeah. to death you could appeal to the supreme court hey I'm yes ready. but if you're sentenced to like seven years they in, give us space. if you're sentenced to like seven years in prison for example you would have to apply to supreme courts like or leave to appeal to say, grant me permission to bring this matter to your court ah. because they are a they are a very big court. Mm. And think about all the, the whole country, mm. all the cases that they have to hear mm. over there. So in terms of election petition, for election petitions, the presidential election petition, the court of appeal functions as the first court, right? Mm-hmm. It functions as the first court in that like layer. You, yeah. So it doesn't start from, from it's that, those guys are the first court exactly, and then after those guys, it goes to Supreme Court. Supreme court. If if the federal government and the state are like fighting over anything, they go straight to the Supreme Court. So those are like that's how like it cascades. Mm. Yeah. So how long will this Supreme Court appeal? Now that article and Obi have gone to, I think it's like ninety days. The entire thing. I think I think it's like ninety days. First one is one eighty days. Second mm. one is ninety days. So before the end of this year, by and large, you should Supposed have heard have. exactly. You should have heard. Is there, is there any hope? Like dream of hope? Just saying, put it now there. Like you know, logically. Looking at this now, is there any glimmer of hope that the Supreme Court might make a decision different from that of the Court of Appeal? I mean, the, the Tribunal Court. There's always hope. Yes. But I would, pl- I would place it as highly unlikely that they overturn. I feel, I feel as highly unlikely because the first thing that the Tribunal did is that they struck out a lot of like witness statements that a lot of the evidence that witnesses provided they struck them out for I can't remember the technical reason, which is. I don't say stupid, but it is stupid. Technicalities are fine. They exist for a reason, blah, blah, blah. But when something is weighty, 
We're talking about the future of a whole of 200 million people. Throw technicalities out the window. You can chastise the lawyers and say, you should have filed this two days earlier. You should have filed this three days earlier. But because of what is in front of us, we will consider all the evidence. And literally, when they said out they are ruling, they first said, we will not make this ruling on technicalities. Then they went ahead and made 80% of the ruling on technicalities because it struck out so much of the witness statements on oath of OB and of article. Like, it doesn't make any sense. So there is that, like, you know, always a slight hope. You know, for example, Atiku is currently trying to get Chicago State University mm. to release yeah. Tinubu's records. Now, I think what that is, is both a legal and a social strategy. Mm. If Tinubu's only certificate on file is the Chicago State University certificate. Only certificate. You know why? Because this, the certificate he used when he was running for governor of Lagos State... We found out that those schools don't exist. Yeah. And it was already in the news. So if he had used it to, for this one, people would have people would have dragged. Mm. As in, if I just for this one, he would have been gone. Yeah. Mm. So he didn't use it. The only unimpeached certificate he has is the Chicago State University certificate. Atiku has gone there to say, Chicago State says he graduated. And he graduated. Okay, sure. But what did you use to get admission? Mm-hmm. We want to know who this student is. Yeah. Who what are his records? Who did you give a certificate? Because the certificate that he presented to INEC is not the same structure as other certificates that CSU issues mm. to their students. Mm. Yeah. So I think when I read what, um, what they are asking for, they are saying, one, give us any certificate that looks like this certificate. And then give us records to show that this person was in your school. Right, so I think the idea is they want to uncover that this guy is not a student. Now, mm. if they are able to un- uncover clearly that Tinubu is Tinubu's certificate, only certificate on file that he used to meet the minimum requirement, right? They can create enough outrage mm. in the country and apply pressure on the justice and then say, "You have to admit this evidence. It is too significant to ignore." No, yeah. Do you get? And that is why Tinubu has sent his lawyers to try and lock down because. The, we are supposed to have heard on Friday. Mm. Yeah. We are supposed to start turning the records on Friday. Mm. And then Tinubu filed an emergency appeal and they extended it to Monday. And I think they will hear both sides on Tuesday and then they will give a ruling this coming Friday. Mm. So the whole idea is delay this as much as you can so that it is not filed with, you know, clearly there's something wrong there because there's no reason yeah. why you should be hiding your certificate. Stella certificate. After all, your first class graduates. Yeah, Yeah, so, um, so I think that that is um, Atiku's play. Mm. Peter Obi's play is, I I think Peter Obi as well also lost in tribal now the first time he ran and he's just like, do you know what? I've been here before. Um, I think we have enough to show that like, these guys didn't comply and we'll force it at Supreme Court. I've listened to some of the Supreme Court justices speak recently. I don't have any faith in them. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think they are only going to do the right thing if they feel intense pressure. Mm. If they feel all eyes on the division. you get like <laughs> intense pressure. Um, but right now they don't. They I don't think that they do. So if I don't know, so you're asking me like what's my own opinion? It was always slim chances. When you are going like when you lose in the first one, it becomes slimmer. So now it's just slimmer chances. Yeah. What I think that this would be maybe my final question. I don't know if you have any, but what is the repercussion? What do you think would be the repercussion of all of this if eventually this gets to the Supreme Court and God forbid, let's think worst case scenarios. 
<laughs> Let's the yeah. I w- I'm very optimistic, right? Yeah. I'm very optimistic about Nigeria because, I mean, we talk about this from time to time, yeah. right? and I, I'm always about change can happen. Yeah. I'm speaking to a few just to really take just a little tidbit, right? I'm speaking to a few of my friends today, and one is in the process of jackpot. One has mm. already jackpot already, and I was just talking about being hopeful. Yeah. And they were telling me, oh, now now no get sense. They hope see Nigeria go better. And I asked them, you know, there's, there's this that there's this quote that um, I saw. I think you posted it actually. Um, you think that the time this is not verbatim. You think that what you're going through in this time in history is terrible until you read mm-hmm. and you find mm-hmm. out that almost people really went through hellfire. Yeah. And I was saying to my friends that if maybe I'm going spiritual here, sometimes we forget to be grateful because we do not know, right? Mm-hmm. My mother lived through the Biafran War. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very Igbo, and that's why I like to talk about it from literally this tribal part right mm-hmm. now, because I think we all saw that period in Nigeria very differently from from anywhere in the world in the country you were you yeah. were at the time. You see, see differently, right? Mm-hmm. I was very my, my both my parents are very Igbo. I have aunties, I have uncles who saw through the Biafran War, the, the Biafran Civil War, as it's called, and I know that right now today. We can't do that. We can't. A lot of Nigerians will not stand for that. Say, yeah. you go and band away. So go and fight who? Mm-hmm. At what time? Right? But we have progressed from them. I don't know if... And when I say progression, I, don't, I, take, it, I, I take it very seriously because as much as some things have changed, not everything has changed. Yeah. Right? And I say, if we can come from that to where we are now. Now I have to say, well, on, on social media, shut up, the president can say anything. We live through... I mean, I was born during the, some part of the military regime. Maybe not completely. Mm-hmm. At least I know when Abacha died, right? Mm-hmm. I know that it was terrible then to say any... You can't talk about the government. It was, it was, like, it was like the monarchy of Benin. You cannot gossip about the king. Mm-hmm. So you cannot even say any... Once you utter one word, they behead you somewhere, they shoot mm-hmm. you somewhere. So a lot has changed. It might not be in the ways that we want them to change, but change has come. Yeah. Some level of change has come. And so I'm hopeful for that, right? Mm-hmm. But in as it is as it's where right now, we understand that anything she can hit the fan real quick. It's Nigeria. Anything can happen. Some people say, Oh, let us wait till the economy is stable. The economy is never stable. It has never been stable. And to continue to shake, anything you want to do, do it right now, right? Mm-hmm. I'm saying let's be naysayers, let's be negative first, because sometimes make it be like say we know. We know anticipate the success, but it needs to attack come, Jonathan. But a case where they go, the, this petition goes to the Supreme Court mm-hmm. and nothing good, in a sense, comes out of it. What do you think is the what? What do you think the repercussion of this will look like, based off of the law in Nigeria? Law or just like life? Anyone. Okay. Let's do that. Anyone. Um. Okay. I think your friends are right in a sense. Yeah. When they say. Only a fool like believes, mm-hmm. right? And and I think this is what I mean. Um, it depends on how you look at history. Yes. So if you look at history from the perspective of my lifetime, mm. having hope is an insanely foolish thing. Yes. Because we've been on a downward trajectory by and large for like twenty years now, yeah. like economy-wise, right? And what I have a friend, every time I go to Toronto, he'll say to me, Ijiro, he's like, that's five now. I said, yeah. 
the reason why he didn't even look back, he said Nigeria took his 20s. Mm. He, he said he made up his mind that Nigeria will not take his 30s. Because mm. he didn't want to wake up, be 40 one day, and still be driving on bad roads, mm. not have lights, mm. still be hustling Jen, mm. buying fuel, things like that. Mm. So that's the decision that he made. Um, I do not have faith in Tinubu's ability to lead Nigeria. Mm. Forget about the fact that he clearly was involved with some drug stuff mm. back in the day. Mm. He's forged all these certificates. Mm. We don't really know who it is. Those things are just like on the side. Mm. Even if you said to me, okay, Adro, forget about the fact that he, his party and him, as far as I'm concerned, like executed this wicked strategy to like basically steal an election. Mm. And I've said it multiple times, and that's my, my, that's my belief. Even if you said to me, okay, Adro, forgive all of that. If the man sat in the office, do you think he would do a good job? And I keep on saying, he will not do a good job. I don't believe he will do a good job because he has never done a good job. Lagos, his brainchild, has, baby. his baby, has been within the control of his party for like 20 plus, 24 years now. Is Lagos a good place to live? No. Do we have good roads? No. Do we have power? No. Do we have clean water? No. Like, security. what do we have? Do we have security? Do we have a transmission system that matches us? We have Blue Rail now. 20 years. But it took 20 years to build. And it's five times more expensive than the ones, comparable ones like in other parts of, of Africa. Of Africa. Mm -hmm. So like when I look at like the details, and this was Lagos that had everything. Yeah. Lagos has everything. Lagos has been has been a capital city before. And Lagos has been the economic no, capital of Africa, for, of sorry, of Nigeria, maybe even Africa, for like 50 years. Mm -hmm. And then this person who couldn't solve, who couldn't make Lagos that had all the tools better, who still can't. You now give him Nigeria, that is a Very significantly complex. more complex problem. So every time people talk about uh, he built Lagos, what did he build? He didn't build the year Lagos. before he ran the, for the election, right? The year before he ran, Lagos was ranked second worst city to live in the world in all the countries that were ranked. And that's below other war-torn cities. And there are war-torn cities in the equation. What did he build? Did he build the Third Milan Bridge? No, nope, he didn't. Did he didn't. build the Echo Bridge? No, nope. he didn't. Did he build Lake Expressway? No, he didn't. That's somebody else's vision. Did he build like what did he build? Is Lassus his product? No, it's not. Is the Jack on the Estate his product? No, it's nope. not. Is there mass like is there mass housing schemes? Like what is Lagos? What's his legacy? What's his legacy? There's no legacy, no real transformation. You now give him a bigger problem at a time when he's significantly older, you know has less to lose and less to give. And Nigeria is cash-strapped. And we are cash-strapped, you know? So, and the thing is already playing out. The victory for him was winning the election. I told somebody, when you look at Sinubu, you know that Sinubu has been planning to be president for a long time. Very long time. When you listen to Peter Obi, Peter Obi has been planning to solve Nigeria's problems for a long time. And it shows very clearly in how they both articulate on the issues. Everybody knew that first subsidy was supposed to be removed. Tinubu opposed it in 2011, fought against it. Him and his band of, yeah, when Jonathan removed it, because all he cared about was winning an election, on sitting Jonathan. Mm. He did not care about Nigeria's problems. Yes. Nobody who knew the right thing then should have fought against it then, mm. and then come back then when we could afford to actually do, do it. proper like mass palliative schemes to help people cushion the effects. Then years later, when we are cash strapped. We are spending 95 plus percent of our revenue on Debt. paying off debts. That's when you now want to remove subsidy. And you are failed at it. You are failed at unifying the exchange rate as well. Because you don't have the mind. You don't have the balls. At the end of the day, you know like where Nigeria is, we needed compassionate, smart leadership. Look at the size of the government. This cabinet is the biggest cabinet in our history. Yes. Mm -hmm. 
and we are the poorest that we've been since probably 19, 1966. The size of government is too much. The size of government is too, too big. Much. And then now you've gone on a road trip, traveling with your friends everywhere <laughs> and making fake, fake deals that don't mean anything. No country invests because you shook hands. Yes. yes. Because are you going to force the companies? So he goes to shake hands with the UAE and shake hands with, with somebody else and Dubai. Yeah. We, are you going to force the companies there to invest in your country? Because they look at your books and they like, look at the country. And they're like, no. Do you have electricity? No. no. Do you have good road network? Have, no. Yeah. Do you have power? No. What do you have that makes sense for anybody to come, come. and invest in your country? You have not fixed your problem. You have two foreign exchange yeah. rates. Yes, you have two foreign exchange yes. rates. We still have issues with um, the Emirates Airlines because of repatriation um, of funds. Yeah. When you just count all these issues that you have not sat down to solve, you don't solve complex problems by declarations. Yes, I declare subsidies over, but subsidies not over. Mm. I declare you can't declare those problems away. So just the ability, just the ability to to do the work is not there. So if he's the one in power, except by some massive stroke of luck, and I don't think so. If he's the one in power, we are heading into very dangerous territory. His entire team. It's focused on enjoyment. Oh, yeah. and, I, I said it now. Lagos boys is enjoyment they came for. And propaganda. Yes. They want to act like they are doing something when they are not actually doing, doing anything. And I think that that's I, I think that that will be our unfortunate reality if we're stuck with these guys. And they will do this for four years. And then when the elections come, mm. we'll have ridiculously violent elections. They'll do worse again. We'll have ridiculously violent elections. So if somebody says, Idris, should you have hope? Yes, have hope. Because hope is good. But if somebody is saying, I want to make a decision for my life, do I, where do I think Nigeria will be? People said, oh, the dollar will be 1,000 naira by the end of the year. We, are in, we have not reached October. It's, it's already there. there. It's already there. It's already there. So, like, and our incomes are not increasing. We're earning naira now. We're earning naira. So, you're losing. You're losing. The price your pension is, is Your pension is naira. Has gone, everything has gone up, right? And when things go up in Nigeria, we know historically they don't come down. Mm. Never. So, things are worsening. We already had a net of, like, 80 million people living in poverty. It's going to be worse. The net has widened. You can't build. It's like I work in tech, so one of the things that used to push tech in Nigeria for a long time was we have a population of two hundred million people. Investors are crazy about that. The number, but, but there's a reason why our companies have capped. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anybody that silly. works in tech knows that we are not where we thought we would be when we when people stay when the things stay booming mm-hmm. because all of them are selling to me and you. Yeah. All the bank apps and uh, all of us, yeah. all the it is the same category that they are trying to milk. There's so much you can milk if we don't max. If this 200 million doesn't actually become at least 80 million people in the middle mm-hmm. class, then what are they going to buy? Company, countries grow when their people have money. money. Yeah. When the people are poor, the countries can't grow. Yeah. Simple, uh, simple, simple logic. Forget about anything else. Even if our GDP multiplies by 10, mm. even if you have only government and 1,000 individuals. Contributes to GDP, then everybody else is just suffering. It doesn't make sense. At the end of the day, companies will always have a cap. That's why if you look at different books, and I see financial institutions, banks, mm. hitting record, record profits. Mm. Meanwhile, the entire real, real sector is shutting down. In this year alone, um, is it Pfizer? Yeah. One yeah, of them. That. One of them left. Yeah. yeah, yeah. One of them left already. P and G. I yeah. can't remember. It was yeah, P and G. Like that is the real sector. We can't afford to buy their cream yeah, anymore. No. It doesn't make that's sense for them so to make it mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Do you get so whoever wants to buy, go and import and sell. Like that's what's happening. That's our reality. We still have people who today earn 15,000 naira, 10,000 naira, 8,000 naira. That's even below minimum wage. Below. 
and our minimum wage is not enough Both. to have a normal how much is your rent how much is your food so yeah. like that is transport transition and that's the reality of most nigerians and that's why it's like if you ask like oh what like these guys don't have the and every day they move around like long convoys yeah there is the there is body language that shows you what happens behind the scenes yeah, yeah. that's why if 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 we lead out there to say do you know what we need to we need to behave ourselves everybody needs to stop spending anyhow we can't afford it he will ref- he's 14 will first be the it'll be the brand ambassadors mm. he would have had a small cabinet he would have had a jiget mm. they would have been conservative the legislature no cast for you this year yeah you get everything would have been showing but it's clear what they are doing look at the senate president when he first did his first video he came out with a convoy of mercedes-benz brand yep. new and you can't tell the average Nigerian to tighten his belt. Meanwhile, when you're living lavishly. You're living lavishly. There's somebody that is on my timeline. He's a he's an acquaintance. Mm. Spread Dupa is a big investor. He's one of the startup guys. Has a ton of money. He didn't support he didn't support in the election, but he was like, elections are done now. Let's focus on like country work, blah 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 blah. He's been very optimistic about Tinubu. Obviously, I'm not. And I've, mm. we always argue, we go back and forth, back and mm. forth, back and forth. It was he was telling me like, oh, AJ. I'm in New York right now, and the entire government is here. Yeah. As I said, he said the entire government is here. He said, I need to fully move back to the US. Mm. He said, these guys are not serious. They're not serious, no. Just one or two days in their presence, I just told him that, nah, these guys are not, they're actually not here to do anything. There's a will. Like, honestly, Tinubu is not there anymore. When you see him, you know. No. All this traveling he's doing is because he knows that his legitimacy is seriously in question. He's establishing legitimacy. I'm Outside. the president, though. I'm the president, though. I'm the president. There's no real interest in we need to fix this country. Mm. And if we don't have that from the top, like what kind of luck do you want to have? Our crude production is still below 1. something million barrels per day. We are not meeting our open quota. quota. We're not mm. making enough money. Rebado said that <laughs> over 400,000 barriers are miss, go missing in Nigeria. Yeah, yeah. In they, they do. Literally, we need a president that is like, I'm picking these two, three sectors and we are getting things done. Love it. So, but look at his ministers. It's a reward, it was a reward scheme. Mm. See, the minister of uh, minerals, he doesn't know anything. He's a reward, he's a minister reward scheme. The yeah, minister of that. Come so and just come they, and they have, He has gathered himself with his guys, mm. the people who were able to get into power, his, his friends, his cronies, you know. And at the end of the day, what we're going to have again is another straw that is just sucking out whatever is left. And it's sort of a thing of let's just do our own before the thing Me, all collapses. burns, yeah. collapses. So, to answer your question about like, that's how I think it. That's what I think. And so, if I'm talking to young people, I'm always like, I'm not saying she's jackpot, but what's like your, what are your alternatives, mm. right? Because there's a lot that is not within our control, mm. you know. And revolution is not easy. Even if you did a revolution today and you said, we'll scatter everywhere, yeah, this person must leave. It it's not easy. The work is a lot. So I understand people's unwillingness, you know. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not a give up hope when it comes to Nigeria. I'm not. I'm, I want to tell you the truth. If I look at into our future, I, that if I could see something like, oh, maybe, but we can't. Somebody does say, ah. At this point, somebody was, I was reading on Twitter, maybe we just need to get $50 billion from, from, from IMF to help us. What if you and, and, and what somebody said is, oh, then they'll use for $5 billion to build the new, because we have a revenue problem now. Yeah. But yeah. our historical problem is a spending problem. Spending. Yes. And I always said, people act like, when people are saying, act like Nigeria needs a miracle. If for eight years we had a government that said, 
the budget for education is 200 billion we spent 200 billion on education. education if we did that eight years straight yes. no i'm not i'm not talking about any fantastic futuristic thinking or vision mm. no where we are now if we just had a government that for eight years said the money that we want to allocate for education we spent on education nigeria would be you'll be able to as in nigeria would be like a dream to you yeah, yeah. our roads would be like a dream to you if say the money for roads we spent on roads if that is all we're doing we'll be in such a but what we have is the money for roads will be spent on my house in Dubai mm-hmm. and we'll corner 80% of the money. At the end of the day, by the time it filters down, down to the bottom, to the last person, they do there's nothing else. There's nothing else. Look at our major, this Lekki Ekpa Expressway uh. is the major expressway of the biggest city in West Africa mm. and it is a mess from the beginning to the end. Yes. Portals, traffic, traffic, one way in, one way out. So, Literally. yeah. So, I think that's all. Basically, our education system is bad. We still haven't fixed power. Our roads are bad. You know, they've not fixed security. They've not fixed security. We're getting more insecure. I mean, there's more terrorism in um, Niger State now. Like, so, yeah. where am I going to pull out hope, you know, to give anybody? I don't want to deceive people. So, my own perspective is that things look very gloomy for Nigeria. Is it possible to transform a nation? Yes. But other nations have done it. Eight, yeah. 15 years of consistent work can completely change. And what they know about Nigerians is, once Nigerians can see that, ah, we're going in the right direction, people will be coming to come and putting their hand to help. Momentum. But we are going in the wrong direction. So, maybe the tribunal, the Supreme Court does something. Maybe Tinubu wakes up in the middle of the night and says, ah, I want to leave a good legacy. Guys, let's do some work. Maybe. I don't know. But from where I sit now, they continue on this road that they are on where they think that lying about working is more important than working. Nah. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. So, on one of our previous episodes of 234 Essential, um, someone wrote a fan mail to us and we're talking. I think this is part where you get passionate, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, and the question went thus if you were the president of Nigeria, the governor, a governor in Nigeria, or a legal state, um, or a local government chairman in Nigeria, what would you do at these different three different levels? Okay. Uh, let me start. Top bottom. Okay. I'll just speak specific things. Okay. Um, if we, if if I was president, mm-hmm. I think the focus for me would be like I'll, I'll tell you what I'm thinking, and mm-hmm. then I'll tell you the things I'll change. Mm-hmm. How do we make it ridiculously easy for people, for Nigerians and even like foreigners to do business in Nigeria? Mm-hmm. What are the things that we need to change? Mm-hmm. Because industry drives growth. Of course. So. I would think about it, um, I'll structure it like this. I think, I, I wrote about it recently. I said, mm. Africa, I was talking about Africa, and I said, but I was in Nigeria. Nigeria needs to feed itself, and Nigeria needs to power itself. So, I would think ridiculous investments in agriculture. Mm. How can we, what can we do? What kind of loans can we, what kind of investors do we need to attract in terms mm. of farmland and mm. stuff, mm. right? What kind of training do we need to do for our farmers, right, to help our... What kind of investments do we need to make in agriculture mm. for us to be able to produce certain things for ourselves? Mm. For example, tomatoes, mm. pepper, so that we don't import, right? Okay. So that, I think, for me, prioritizing feeding Nigeria, feeding Nigeria would be, like, my first thing. Mm. To make this work, you probably need to do other things. So I did some work recently, so I have a bit of, like, um, some consulting work around agriculture. Mm. Now, our food basin is in the north, by and large. Right? And then we have a ton of people in the south who have to buy that food. Yeah. 
if the people in the south buy a lot of their food from the north, mm -hmm. even the north gets wealthier, mm -hmm. right? What are the challenges that we have? About 40% of fruits, vegetables, and stuff like that, even more than that, is destroyed in transition mm -hmm. due to poor logistics system mm -hmm. because we use road for everything. So can we create rails that we don't politicize that connects that connects farms and mar and farms to markets. Mm. So north to south, mm. buyers to sellers, mm. like rails that can move things quickly, mm. not just like you get and that is accessible. Can we fix our roads? And then when I come to governor, we're like, what are the federal connecting roads that we need to build to connect major food areas to like the rails and whatever, mm. so that they, they can actually move their produce? Mm. I think that's something I'll think about. Then power. So for example, storing fruits like tomatoes, veggies, stuff like that, requires sometimes cold mm, storage. Mm. But the cost of units, accessibility of power, almost zero. Units cost of power, extremely expensive. Many countries in the world, the entire continent of Europe, most of Asia, entire North America, most of South America, and some countries in the middle, in the, in the part of Africa that we call the Middle that's mm, part of the Middle East, mm. I figured out 24 hours power. Mm. What that tells me is that this is not a out of our world problem yeah. it is a solvable yeah. problem yeah. how do we solve the power problem mm. and it does it might not mean that you can do 100 power across nigeria for in four years but you may be able to say i can guarantee nigerians that in four years you will have everywhere in nigeria 12 hours power supply mm. and some places will have more mm. but like what or maybe three states will have like we can create a plan and actually like fix it it is generation transmission distribution mm. We can actually create a plan and like other people have done it, so it means it's not impossible. So I'll solve, I think, energy and power. Then that is for your today. Mm. The third thing is, how are you preparing yourself for the world that is coming? Yes. And that's education. Yeah. So I think if I was president, I would focus on, I've talked talk about food and the things that surround which is mm. transportation, yeah. then energy and power, just mm. like for industry mm. in general. Then I would do education. Even if we're not... Even if we don't get to the point, we talk about food now, where we are, where we are, you know, transforming everything we, we bring from the ground into stuff that is usable. So, for example, cocoa to ch chocolate and stuff. That has to be in like your framework for agriculture. We can say today we want to be the largest exporter of cocoa in mm -hmm. Africa. That can be an ambition for us. But in the, in the framework, we should also say in the next 10 years, we want to be the largest producer of chocolate. You get we need yes. to turn from just producing things from our ground mm. to so I think that's something else. Um, yeah, then I think something else you would explore because of just where we are today is all our natural minerals. Who like who is monitoring who is them? Monitoring them? Yeah. So our gold, our like well, all those other ones, mm. we need to Coal. put a cap yeah. on all those things and say all these private individuals that are just like milking us and doing things illegally, stop that. The country needs to start making Nigeria. So I think that's something else that will change just in terms of there are a lot of other things that will have to change. Mm. But I think then making that investment in, in education because we are just so far behind. Mm. Again, a, people who don't know don't know. Yes. And the decisions that they will make will be reflective of people who don't know. So we need to have a more educated population. The way um, our Lord did um, full education, full in, education Southwest. in Southwest, it will be across Nigeria. It will not be a joke. Mm. It will be compulsory. If you put your children on the road to hawk, they'll be they'll be kidnapped. <laughs> yes, there's no reason why your children are hawking on express. It will be full. And I think like when you 
when you educate a country mm. at a high quality consistently, then the way they begin to behave changes. Mm. The things that they allow changes. So yeah. I think that that's, I think that's something else. There are, there are other things that come to mind, but I think from a presidency level, I will be mm. thinking, how can we position ourselves to be able to feed ourselves yeah. so that things like the one in Ukraine is not increasing the price of food in Nigeria? Mm. So that we depend less. Mm. Then clearly, sorry, the last one, then I'll sure, move on here from this. On the energy one, there's the electricity and then there's like the foil and stuff. Mm. Nigeria has to convert crude to diesel and fuel for its own use, mm. period. Mm-hmm. Like I said, that is a, it is such a ridiculous thing to me that we don't do and we have four refineries that yes. are dead. I will sit the, whoever is in charge down and I'll be like, bro, can this thing be done? Let's call out the experts into your room. Can we make these refineries work? Yes, we can. If you say that we can, what do you need to make it work? You tell us. If we give you the money that you need to do this thing, you will not leave this country. You will never leave Nigeria. We will jail you if you blow our money and I will make your lives a hell. <laughs> like literally, you will not play with us like that. So you tell us the timeline. How long will it take you? What do you need mm-hmm. to get our refineries to work? If you now find out that, oh, getting refineries to work doesn't make any sense, might as well build new ones. Because sometimes mm. that happens with like all these things. Mm. Then we now say, okay, let's shut them down and build new ones. Mm. But like we'll make a decision around that because it doesn't make sense that I was looking at the energy charts for like across the world and just like seeing like the countries, West Africa is in the top five in top five or top six in production of like like crude. Crude oil. Then when they now come to petrol, when they're even there, and the chart has like 12, when they're even there. So we're not making enough for ourselves. We're not making enough for anybody. We're just letting them carry our crude. So what now happens is when crude goes up, when the price of crude goes up, other countries that, that produce crude are happy. Why? Because they refine for themselves. So locally, the price won't go up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when they sell, they earn more money. They can yes. invest. We, because we buy well, when the price of crude grows up, we're not happy. Mm. Because we sell the crude, we well, buy it well, that's more expensive. Yeah. So it's such a stupid problem to have. So that's something else that like, I would be like, this one is like a, yeah. So I think power, food, and then just that infrastructure layer, and then education, that's like what I would do as president. As governor, I have to use Lagos, I'm sorry. I've not yeah. been to that in too long. <laughs> I think a governor has fewer powers, mm. but let's assume that, okay, let's assume that as a governor, you are limited. So yeah, more like an administrator. Mm. 60 to 65% of Lagos revenue comes from collecting taxes. Mm. If you look at other comparable cities, right? Like 20% or 30% will come from taxes. Most of it will come from service charges because the states are doing things for their people. Mm. So the people have to pay. Mm. Lagos does not do things for Lagosians. So they just collect our taxes, mm. right? So you see services, things like that, are what other people do. So for example, like you should not have borehole. You should have water. Water. Yeah, water. Run water. <laughs> so so mm. let's just so let's just say that we are where we are. So we are an administrator of funds. Mm. Good. Lagos is small enough for me to do this. Mm. And I've been thinking about it for a long time. Mm. If I had day one, I would say Google Maps. Google. I want to see data of Lagos, right? It may be local government, local government, showing me where are the worst roads in Lagos. So let's say worst is red. Then it should not be going down. down yeah. mm. Then sit down with our Ministry of Works and say, We are seeing this red like this. We're going to start from the darkest red based on within the conscience of the money that we have to the least red. How do we improve road transportation in Lagos first? I feel like the quality of life of Lagos Shans would 
increased so significantly if Lagosians did not worry about traffic. traffic. Yeah. So freaking significantly. So what that would help you do is, if these are the worst spots, then you now say, okay, the plan may not just be road, 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 road. When I say, I ah, know. For us to fix our traffic problems at large, we need, we actually need maybe rail. Mm. Yeah. Okay, what, like, how long does rail take to build? What can we do with our waterways? Mm. At scale. Mm. Yeah. And then what can we do with our roads? Mm. Do you understand? Mm. So that kind of, I think that, so first of all, governors should be thinking about bad roads. Mm. But because our governors don't do anything, they, have, they don't have any other work. Think about bad roads. Why are our roads bad? There are other places that do have bad roads. Yeah. Is it a money problem? Mm. Is it a quality problem? Is it, we're not the only beachside country in the world. Mm. So like, how, why are our roads so bad? And I think for me, Lagos would, like, my first priority would be fixing, like not, because you don't really have control over energy, for example. Yes. Yeah, first priority would be fixing, like, our transportation network. First thing. I think for me, the second thing would just be education. Mm. Because second, um, state governments have a lot of control over, like, primary and secondary mm. education. The quality of schools that we have in Nigeria are preparing Nigerians to be typists, hmm. clicks, and clicks. Shorthand. They are not they preparing. They are not preparing Nigerians. At least, you get public education in Lagos is not preparing Lagosians to, you know, to impact the world, mm. you know, and that is why Africa doesn't create anything because we don't nurture people enough. Um, I think that that's again like just on a local level will be education. It's not just about forcing people to go to school. It's about what is the quality of the education that they have. So I think that for me, that would be something else. Um, and then this one is a big fight as president or as governor. Mm. Our civil service. Oh Lord. Needs to have needs. So this one is one that you just need to know that if I don't, you know, if you do something that is bad and you work, you can survive. Yeah. But if you do something that is bad and there are no results, that's the end of your political career. Mm. But our civil service needs someone that was, that can say, I'm going to sacrifice my political career on the altar of fixing our civil service. Yeah. There are too many useless people in our civil service. Too many useless, incompetent, and it's not their fault. It's been a it culture. It's what is allowed. Yes. Our civil service, civil service everywhere in the world does not run like, does not always, does not run like private organizations, but there has to be a minimum bar of quality. Mm. Why are you hired? Why do you exist? If you exist to help people process land papers, your KPI is the speed. The speed at which you process it. People should not, do you understand? Yeah. If you if you are you exist to help the citizens of the state get things done, you will get it done. And there will be like things like bonuses that will be tied to it. So if you focus on it to be quality, it to be speed, people should come into the office and be able to work in and work out its ease. Mm-hmm. Not when they want to go to civil service, anything has to do with government. They don't spend a whole day. They'll spend a whole day there. If you want to set up, people want to set up businesses, it should be easy for them to set up business and get their license that they need to do the business they need to do. So I think that's something else. That whole civil service rejig is a very, very like important one. But I think, I think at a state level, that's uh, that's what I'll focus on. Oh, and no, sorry. State level as well, healthcare. Mm. Again, it's sort of the same thing with education, mm. right? Um, we just know, we know what we need. Mm-hmm. We know that we are not doing nearly enough in providing people with like right access to education. Mm-hmm. But one of the problems that we have in Nigeria is that the structure of the country does not allow for the states to do what the states should ordinarily mm. do. So we say we have a federal federal system of government, mm. which is supposed to be a system of government where they are federating units, mm. federal government and state government. What we have is more like a unitary system of government. Mm. There's too much power in the center. 
right? Sometimes you hear that, oh, California, right, is the seventh largest economy in the world. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. It reflects in how the state looks. You should eat, you should, as a state, you should be eating more from what you make than all of us are gathering our money, going to go and give it to the federal government, and mm-hmm. they will not share it for us. So the lazy states will be eating as much as the yeah. hard states. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make mm-hmm. any sense. So if, so the, if you enable business in your state, there should be reward for it. If you did the work, there should be reward for it. So our state governments actually are very limited. Mm-hmm. The problem is that, again, even as administrators, they are horrible administrators. Yeah. All they do is issue contracts. Yeah. But they issue the horrible contracts. Mm-hmm. They issue it corruptly. They issue overbloated contracts. They always want a cut. They pad that it. is the problem. They pad it. So things like that. So drive efficiency in like roads. Honestly, roads should not be a problem in Lagos states. We should all our roads should be good. At a at a, as in at a let me say eighty percent of our roads should be mm. good. The way you drive around Abuja and like when you're in main Abuja city, it's like almost all the roads are good. Mm. That's how Lagos should be. Yeah. At least on the island that you're driving now, mm-hmm. in this island in Ikeja, in mm. in all those kind of places, our roads should just be good. Not that you're driving out of Lekki, your car is like jiget. So. We should fix out the simple things and then what fix and then fix education. And then obviously, when I say roads, I mean, like I mean like the blah, blah, blah. Yeah. like flooding should be fixed. Mm. Local government chairman, I'm not going to be. <laughs> I love it. Because the, because the government chairman chairman exists at the pleasure of the governors in Nigeria. Uh. Yeah. So you just hear that the governor sacked the government chairman because look at the one that's happening in Ogun State where the guy sort of like he spoke out, out mm. that the governor is I think, mis- misusing him. funds or whatever. This is DSS arrested him. And they asked him to apologize and things like that. So <laughs> I won't be a local government chairman. That's a useless <laughs> office. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was like the final punchline. Oh my God, Adriel, thank you so much for this conversation. Yeah. Uh, we're, be, we're really happy that you've come on to share your insights on this topic. Um, I think that's something that maybe for the longest time we've always wanted to talk about, but probably not had like the. In depth, yes, in depth knowledge and the bag- uh, technical background to speak on it. So, thank you very much for coming. Please, if you guys have any feedback on the conversations that we had today or any inputs, kindly send us fan mail to fan mail at 234essential.com. Great, and follow us on every social media platform at 234. Yes, follow us on all social media platforms. Don't forget to send your fan mail also and release therapy and all that. And uh, have hope if you, you are the hopeful one. And if you are saving for Japa, and if you are if you are saving money for Japa, please make it sharp sharp. You know how to go. Well, long live the Federal Republic of Nigeria. Yes, sir. Thank you guys. Stay kind. Bye.